You are listening to the Lead Big Red podcast from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Educational Administration Department with your hosts, Dr. Shavana Holman and Dr. Scott Sturgeon. Welcome to the Lead Big Red podcast. I am Scott Sturgeon, Associate Professor of Practice at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in the Educational Administration Department. And my partner is... Uh, Dr. Shavana Holman, Assistant Professor of Practice in the Educational Administration Department. Welcome today to the podcast. And today we have Dr. Michael Casserly. We are so very pleased and honored to have him join our podcast today. Dr. Casserly, welcome so much. If you can go ahead and just share just a little bit about yourself before we get started. Well, thank you very much, uh, Shavana and Scott. Really appreciate it and uh, delighted to, uh, to be here. I'm Mike Casserly. I'm the executive director of the Council of the Great City Schools, uh, which is a coalition of 78 of the nation's largest uh, urban public school systems across the country. I've been with the organization now for 44 years, uh, nearly 30 of it as executive director of the organization. But before that, I spent about 15 years uh, as both the director of research and uh, the legislative director. And before that, I had... Uh, I worked in uh, schools um, and was also a, um, uh, a researcher, and my background is mostly in statistics and methodology and the like. But uh, at this point, I've been um, with the uh, organization for a good long time and have probably been involved in and fought most every urban education battle that the nation has dished out uh, over uh, four plus decades. Great, great, great. So yes, you have an amazing history and we're looking forward to hearing more about that through our um, podcast and questioning today. So I'm just going to start off in the beginning. Um, How did you first become involved in policy, advocacy, legislation and fighting for urban school districts? Well, honestly, it was accidental. And uh, I'm not sure when I think back uh, all those many years ago that I necessarily should have been uh, the person that they hired. Um, And like a lot of things in life, um, you know, things happen through a little bit of serendipity and being either in the right place or the wrong place at uh, the right or wrong time, depending on your uh, perspective. Um, but um, uh, I was uh, briefly in between uh, jobs, heard about uh, this organization. I was in my 20s. I'm 73 now, by the way. Um, I was in my 20s, um, heard about uh, the Council of the Great City Schools, went by to uh, see them and talk them into a position um, uh, doing um, uh, research as a junior staff member for the organization. And it just so happened that uh, the organization at the time was not in very good shape, uh, either politically or in terms of membership or just the organization itself was just not doing very well. Uh, And the board of directors had themselves an emergency meeting and uh, somebody asked the question, um, who is going to be doing our work up on Capitol Hill? Uh, now that um, our current legislative uh, person uh, had left to, uh, to take a, uh, another uh, position. Um, and uh, my boss at the time turned around to me and said, uh, he is, 
Um, and <laughs> I had never been to Capitol Hill before. I did not know the House side from the Senate side. Um, I had never read a piece of federal legislation, um, did not know what uh, education policy uh, was at the time. Again, my background was mostly in research and methodology and statistics. Um, and um, I was named kind of on the spot, uh, the uh, legislative uh, person for the organization. And the next uh, morning, my uh, boss came in to me and handed, handed me a uh, compilation of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, said, um, read this. Uh, you're going to be testifying uh, before the House oh Education and Labor Committee um, <laughs> uh, a week from uh, today. And we have a um, a technical problem uh, that somebody like you uh, uh, ought to be able to uh, solve, and that is uh, uh, a technical glitch in the Title I formula that was actually causing uh, aid to urban school districts across the country to decrease uh, over time. Um, and his uh, charge to me was figure out why that was uh, happening and um, propose a way to uh, fix it. Uh, and um, um, and there we have it. So a week later, I uh, testified before uh, the House Education Labor Committee, and I was too inexperienced and uh, stupid to be scared. Um, and uh, honestly, I probably should have been. But uh, eventually, I did figure out uh, what the problem was with the formula. And uh, 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 ran the committee uh, through what the issue was and how to fix it. And they said, terrific. And then I thought to myself, uh, and I remember this really quite distinctly, uh, sitting at the witness table um, uh, in the Education Labor Committee uh, room and said to myself, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. So, uh, and the rest is history. That is an incredible story. And I can't, I, 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 there's no way that I would be able to just be dropped and dumped right in front of <laughs> everybody at Capitol Hill, because I was scared to death just going to testify in front of our state, our state centers. <laughs> wow. Well, That's amazing. It, yeah, it was, um, uh, it was a challenge to be sure. Um, and I remember sitting on my living room floor uh, for uh, days on end uh, all night long, trying to figure out why in the world this formula was creating the effects that it was. But because I had a background in uh, statistics, um, I was able to figure it out. Um, and uh, then somebody told me later that that's actually what policy was all about, uh, was figuring these things out and then applying them uh, to uh, a set of decisions that uh, 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 legislatures had to uh, uh, had to make. Um, and uh, there we have it. So I've been wow. doing that for a long time. That is, that is, a, that is so fascinating. Um, kind of maybe piggybacking a little bit about you uh, on your research um, mind. When you think about like the work that um, organizations like Wallace Foundation are doing and it, and, and really it seems like it's been this way for maybe, maybe since um, 
the no, no Child Left Behind kind of took over the education landscape. But right now, everything is on the principles is the lever. Uh, of school change is where research seems to be talking most about uh, where energy seems to be, where the books are being written about is, is improving the principalship, improving the job that they, they are doing so that they improve outcomes. Um, is that the right area of focus? Is that the right lever? Is, should school districts be focused on um, building level leadership uh, as opposed to say a principalship or a central office structure or superintendency? Well, I, I don't actually think this is an either or question. Um, I know the Wallace Foundation um, is very much focused on principals and principal supervisors and leadership at the building level and uh, the work that they've done, um, including um, you know our uh, contributions to it. I think it's been important. I, I think it's underscored um, the effect uh, that uh, effective building leaders have on the overall academic attainment of kids and uh, outcomes that they um, uh, achieve. But I don't think that that's the only place where leadership is important. Uh, I think it's important at the building or at the uh, uh, board level. It's important at the uh, superintendent level. Uh, and it's important at the uh, line officer uh, level as well. Uh, but it does... Um, uh, it is a pretty consistent effect uh, that principals have, and the research is really quite good on this in specifying that um, often the difference between a highly effective school and one that does not uh, rests in the quality of the leadership uh, of the principal um, and the assistant principal to some extent, um, uh, but mostly uh, uh, the principal. And I have to say that even at the district level, there have been uh, districts that have seen overall improvement in um, their kind of system-wide uh, attainment by focusing on building level leadership. Uh, Chicago is a really good example of this where uh, over the last oh, 10 years or so, they've really spent a lot of effort at the systems level, improving leadership at the school level. Uh, and uh, they put into uh, place a broad kind of systemic framework uh, that they use their principles to work around and work from, uh, and then provided a lot of professional development to both the principals and the principal supervisors. And the combination of things really has moved the needle for a school district like that. Uh, but um, uh, I think what's really interesting for big city uh, school districts is uh, not only principal leadership and building leadership, but how the building leadership uh, is defined and crafted uh, in a way that is consistent with the system's overall goals and priorities. So the system really has to have a framework um, in place uh, that good principal leadership can fit inside of, um, and that the uh, sometimes good principals, if they're out on their uh, their own, sometimes they do great work um, and uh, provide enormous amount of um, uh, of benefit. Uh, but sometimes they don't. Um, and some of that really depends on whether the system itself is defined. Uh, what effectiveness at the building level will actually mean. Um, so 
but this is one where I don't think it's um, an either or question that is, um, is Wallace or anybody else who is uh, leaning into building leadership. Do they have that right? Yes, but it's not the full picture. Uh, right. And uh, the, the full picture involves leadership at a variety of different levels in the system. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. Thank you. Dr. Casserly, as a leader and champion for urban youth, families, schools, and districts, um, you have been highlighted by USA Today as a crusader for city school children. Not many at all have earned such a title. What does that mean to you? Um, gee, nobody's ever asked me this question before. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I guess when uh, USA Today tagged me with that uh, line, I didn't think much of it uh, one way or the other. Uh, but uh, I guess over the years, it's come to define a lot of what it is I tried to do. And um, uh, it also uh, was uh, somewhat emblematic of the passion I tried to bring uh, for the issues to, uh, uh, to the table. So... Uh, I, I think one of the things that's really been interesting for me um, in this uh, journey was um, how to be a crusader, uh, an advocate uh, for something that was important as uh, urban public education, while at the same time being able to um, tell the truth uh, about uh, what it is we succeeded at and things where we were not succeeding. Um, and there's plenty of things to both praise in urban public education and to criticize in urban public education. Uh, but uh, the issue was how to marry those two things in a way that uh, both pushed the field forward and called it out when it needed to be called out uh, for, um, for its uh, shortcomings. Um, and um, I don't know if that really falls under the definition of a crusader or not, but ultimately that's um, the two things that I tried to marry as I was uh, moving forward in this particular leadership role. And I can understand that because it's not easy at all um, for most people to share areas of they, that they need to improve upon, right? Or areas that they're just not strong in at all. And so, um, yes, thank you for being honest and, and sharing that. Yeah, I, uh, honestly, um, when I got named to this position, uh, it uh, it was pretty clear to me that I could be a leader in kind of the traditional sense um, that one sees with educational organizations uh, in Washington, D.C. and national educational organizations uh, broadly. Uh, and that usually means playing a representative role or a defensive role in the sense that um, you're defending whoever it is you are representing and what your main job is, um, is to represent um, your uh, constituents. Uh, sometimes no questions asked. And I remember saying to, um, uh, to uh, the executive committee of the council when they uh, hired me uh, was that if that's what they wanted from me, it was probably better that they pick somebody else uh, because while I was 
going to represent and advocate for and argue for and defend, I was also going to try to push the field to improve uh, because the public really needed to see urban public education get better. Um, and what I tried to do then was to craft an organization that would do some of both, that is play a, uh, a defensive and representative role, but also play a role that was more offensive uh, and was built to improve the systems on behalf of the kids. Excellent, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to kind of piggyback on that one. Um, so when you are advocating at a national level and representing um, such a large group, what is it that helps you um, from that offensive perspective, right, going to the, the people that need to hear hear the stories? What is it that you want to hear or, or be able to share from your member districts about the um, types of things that are going on? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I'm not sure that I've really thought about this uh, deeply, but uh, what I try to do is to listen carefully to uh, the members themselves, hear them talk about what their challenges are, what their successes are, um, uh, have them reflect on um, why they, the work that they do seems to be effective and not. Um, and I actually spent a lot of time listening to my own uh, folks about uh, what their challenges are and uh, what is vexing them uh, on a day in and day out basis. Um, but um, I've never thought that that was actually enough. Um, so what I tried to do is listen to a lot of people on the outside who are both casual observers uh, of the field, but also listen to people who are skeptics and critics uh, of us, and also spend a lot of time with the data, uh, trying to figure out um, where is it that our strong points are, uh, where is it uh, that we're having shortcomings and kind of recurring and chronic challenges. And then I try to marry all of those things uh, together to form a more complete picture of how it is we're doing, and then try to translate that back to the public uh, 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 in a way that is uh, uh, forward-looking uh, but balanced. Great. Dr. Casterly, so you mentioned earlier that you've been the executive director for council for almost 30 years and um, um, and you are now believed to be um, one of the longest serving chief, chiefs among the major national education membership organizations. In the world of leadership, um, this is super extensive and says a lot about what you have done and how you have led. What skills and strengths of yours can you attribute to your longevity in this particular position? And why do you think the council and this membership has loved working under your leadership for so long? Um, yeah, I don't know uh, the answer to the last part of that question because it seems to me that uh, I've done plenty of things to get myself fired over the years, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so far it, uh, it, it hasn't happened. Um, Uh, I, I, I think uh, I point to a couple of things, and I, I, uh, I don't get asked this question very often, so I'm not sure that I've got a convincing answer for it. Um, but uh, I have 
based on all of the conversations uh, that I talked about earlier in the data that I looked at and uh, listening to uh, both champions of uh, education and skeptics of education, um, I, I try as best I can to uh, take all of that information and craft from it a direction uh, that uh, I think urban education needs to go uh, in. And then uh, take time to not only uh, talk with uh, my staff about it, but also talk to uh, the membership about whether or not we are pursuing the right set of initiatives, uh, whether or not we are defining urban education in a way that both reflects well um, on um, the work that we are trying to do, but also challenges uh, 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 folks um, in a way that I know is, uh, is important. Um, so um, I, I think just mixing all of those things uh, together and then trying not to bring a personal ego uh, to uh, the issues and um, and maybe it's because I work in uh, in Washington uh, D.C., uh, which is kind of eco uh, uh, sent the center of the uh, of the universe in terms of people's egos, and it's also a place that is often kind of an evidence free zone um, in lots of uh, respects. So uh, the political space is often taken up by people's egos and not necessarily uh, the um, uh, the uh, uh, the facts at hand. So um, I think in a lot of ways, uh, what has served me well uh, has, uh, has been um, keeping a sense of ego at bay uh, and then applying the best uh, combination of facts um, uh, and information that I can possibly bring to uh, the table and found that it, uh, at least in this town, was kind of a refreshing departure uh, from <laughs> what, what most policymakers um, in Washington, D.C. actually uh, find. So um, I, I guess um, uh, on top of that, being clear about what it was that I was trying to do and also being clear in what uh, I mentioned before, and that is not trying to just represent and defend or be an apologist uh, for uh, bad behavior uh, when I saw it, uh, but actually uh, taking the offensive and trying to create a direction to define what the future should be for urban education and then figuring out ways to take them there uh, was, uh, I guess, all of those things mixed together. Um, and uh, uh, honestly, I've been um, uh, blessed in lots of ways. I, I think um, uh, my governing board has been particularly good uh, at saying that, um, look, as long as you are fair 
uh, and can back up uh, what it is you are espousing. And you can take us to places where we are realizing success in ways that we had not realized success before that will back you to the hilt. Um, and uh, that ended up being important in, in times and in places where uh, the ride got pretty bumpy. Um, and uh, as long as they knew that uh, I was being fair and balanced and I tried to uh, make sure that they knew that I had their interests um, in mind and only their interests in mind, uh, then uh, I think it uh, apparently earned uh, the trust and respect of, uh, of the membership. And uh, from there, I was able to take the, the organization places it might not have otherwise gone. Well, this would definitely explain why you have been in this role for so very long. I mean, you're trustworthy. You listen, you talk and discuss, you collaborate, you're a team, you know, you're a, you're a teammate and it's not a top down sort of leadership from what I know of you um, and from what you have um, demonstrated through your work, most definitely. Um, it's more of a, a connectedness and alignment between you and all those people that you work with and work for. And um, we certainly appreciate everything that you have done. So yes, I mean, you sound like the epitome of, of a, a perfect leader um, in just what you're describing. And you're so very humbled about you know, what you've done. And I'm sure that if we were to ask um, any of the member districts, any of the exec uh, board and, and staff member at the council, I'm sure that they would all say the same thing. Well, uh, thank you for that. You know, one thing that um, I think worked really well um, for, uh, the, for the organization and the membership uh, uh, was what we tried to do um, uh, after I took uh, uh, the position uh, was to create a sense of family and shared identity. Uh, and ownership uh, for uh, the work uh, so that uh, we tried to create mechanisms by which people could help each other get better. After I decided that what I tried to do with the organization is to rebuild its architecture in a way that would um, be about the improvement of urban education on behalf of its kids, then part of my responsibility was to try to figure out ways in which I could do that, but also to do it in a way that uh, created participation and ownership and buy-in uh, by everybody. So if one uh, was in a jam or a school district had a particular challenge that it was facing, that it was easy enough to pick up the phone um, uh, across the membership and say, one of your brethren is in trouble and they need help. Can you, uh, can you uh, work with us to help us solve this problem? And we got we did enough of that in the early years and then continued it over time where people felt a stake in each other's success. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so if Omaha, 
Omaha had a problem, we could call Denver and Milwaukee and Atlanta and say, um, uh, Omaha needs some help here. Can we um, can we go in and help them out and then work with Omaha and Atlanta and Denver and everybody else to try to uh, solve a set of problems? And uh, it worked not only for the district needing help, it worked for the people um, doing the helping uh, because uh, everybody learned a lot along the way got to know each other a lot better and uh, created expertise and capacity uh, in a way that helped strengthen the overall alliance um, on behalf of urban education uh, writ large. So I think all of it kind of helped create um, uh, an identity uh, for the organization and amongst urban school systems that was able to carry the ball forward in a way that might not have otherwise been the case. Absolutely. So. Wow, that was that might be uh, the favorite answer to any question that I've uh, heard so far uh, since we started recording these. So thank you. There's that was a recipe for leadership. There was a recipe in there for boards and and the relationship between the leader and the board. Uh, gosh, so much, so much in there. Um, and I'm going to stay on leadership just a little bit. And that is um, when when we're talking about educational leadership, and I'll let you pick where uh, what level that might. Um, live in, but where's where's the greatest opportunity right now in educational leadership? Where where what's that thing that we should be going after as educational leaders? Well, I um, kind of a little bit like I uh, answered before, and that is uh, there are, are leadership opportunities at all levels of uh, the organization, including teacher leaders, uh, mm-hmm. uh, for that matter. Um, and lots of opportunities uh, there to be sure. Um, But one of the things that we've tried to bear down on um, uh, in uh, the recent past was uh, the leadership at the board level. Um, And um, uh, a lot of times um, we've seen uh, uh, people get on school boards for all the wrong reasons. Um, and, uh, and then not be clear about what their responsibilities were to the organization that they were now governing um, or what a- actually good leadership looked like. Um, so um, I, I continue to think that leadership at the board level is one of the frontiers that continues to need to be strengthened um, in ways that... Um, uh, too many people have not uh, devoted a whole lot of attention to uh, in the past. Yeah, I've, I've seen both sides of that. Seen strong leadership, like my co-host here, um, and seen some sometimes great when, one. Yeah, and seen sometimes when it's been a challenge um, at, at at the board level. So yeah, that's yep. And in uh, Omaha, over the years, has seen you know both good and bad, um, and. Uh, circumstances where its leadership failed it, uh, and then other occasions where uh, it took very courageous uh, uh, positions, um, and the kids were better off for it. Um, And Omaha wasn't uh, really different from a lot of big cities. Uh, You know, uh, uh, urban boards uh, all across the country work in a context that is really 
unlike anything else uh, that elected uh, officials really ever have to deal with. I mean, it's pretty unusual that, um, uh, uh, you know, any other institution would be faced with the kind of uh, public pressures uh, that uh, urban education is faced with where uh, your constituency is often very split over issues of race and income and language and religion and culture um, and everybody fighting over the one thing that they care about the most, that is their kids. Um, and you put all of that together and it is a stew that is unlike anything else uh, that public officials anywhere in the country at any level really have to deal with. Um, and it is immediate and hands-on and in your face. Um, and um, uh, and uh, uh, it, it's, it, it's one of those uh, circumstances where uh, board members are right in front of the people that um, have a very immediate concern. Um, and are uh, very energized uh, over the issues that uh, uh, that their uh, individual children are uh, are facing, and it's a pressure like uh, you don't see in uh, in in Washington or in any other political uh, setting. So, you know, my hats off to uh, 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 to the boards and what they have to deal with. At the same time. It also puts uh, an additional responsibility and weight uh, on boards just because the issues are so critical and so immediate uh, and uh, involve such uh, precious uh, uh, cargo as, um, as people's kids. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Casserly, in your many years of leadership and advocacy for urban school districts, what has been one of your biggest accomplishments and one of your most challenging dilemmas or issues? I know you have tons of experience um, in this, but can you think of something off the top of your head that you're most proud of or in something that was most difficult in your role? Um, yes, actually. Um, uh, and they're both the same thing. Um, that is uh, the thing that I'm, uh, the proudest of is the one thing that has been the hardest to accomplish. Uh, and that is over the years, um, student achievement, student outcomes, student attainment uh, has actually gotten better in the big cities across the country. Um, and, uh, but it's also been the hardest thing to do, um, but it did not happen by accident. Um, I, I'm proudest of the fact that we have gotten better as education institutions at educating. Um, and uh, you can uh, see the evidence of that as you look at uh, the results from the National Assessment of Educational Progress. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that our overall attainment and our graduation rates um, have gotten much better over the years uh, than um, was the case before, and we've gotten better faster than the nation at large. Now, part of that, um, it wasn't just our doing, 
But what it is we tried to do as an organization was to put the tools, the research, the convenings, uh, the information, um, uh, and the prodding um, of uh, school districts uh, to put all of those things at the disposal of urban education, create a direction and a set of incentives where people would want to do better uh, on behalf of their kids um, and, uh, and then push and pull mm-hmm. and coax uh, and lead uh, to a place where uh, people were using each other's expertise, using the data that you were creating, uh, using the technical assistance that you were putting together for folks, um, and realizing that over time, it was actually starting to work. Um, and uh, uh, you could see the difference in the overall outcomes of the kids. But it was and has been maddening, um, frustrating, exhausting, exhilarating, uh, rewarding, uh, all of those things um, at one time. And uh, I, I guess if there was, uh, I would not be able to decouple these things. That is uh, what has been most rewarding and what has been uh, the toughest, because I think ultimately uh, the most rewarding work is always the most difficult to do uh, in kind of whatever field uh, you're uh, devoted to. Um, and that's not to say that um, uh, we could, we can't backslide here. Uh, I think that it's very possible that if we don't uh, remain vigilant, if we don't continue to grow, if we don't continue to put more tools and technical assistance and professional development and uh, all the things that go into improving the overall outcomes for kids, if we don't continue to do that, I think it's easy for us to slip backwards if we're not very careful and very vigilant about uh, what is good for kids. Um, Right. uh, Anyway, I think that's how I would answer that question. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. I love the, uh, what's most difficult is also is often the most meaningful. I think that's a, that's a great lesson for, for people who look at leadership, aspiring to leadership roles Mm -hmm. and see the parts of it that look most exciting, but don't see the struggle that it is to get to that or to the things that are not exciting, but, but are absolutely necessary and meaningful to the, to their success. Um, Leadership is not about standing in the front of the room. (laughs) Not uh, at all, right? No, it is not. Uh, leadership is often being in the back of the room or being in the back room, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, doing um, the hard, careful uh, work that needs to be done and then marshalling the forces uh, that mm-hmm. need to be marshaled in order to uh, move uh, an institution forward. Um, so it's uh, and that's why I said it's not the ego-driven stuff. Uh, it's the uh, it's the defining what needs to happen, and then figuring out ways of uh, getting people to believe the same thing, and then marshalling their ener- energy in a way in which they all feel a stake in it, uh, and then move together 
uh, in, um, in tandem as best you can to move a large institution forward. Dr. Castle, what you've said just reminded me of, of two things that I distinctly remember learning from um, my building principal when I was a, a teacher and ended up being the assistant principal at the school. Um, and, sh and she was the type of person that she, she did everything and anything on behalf of, of the students in our building and um, sometimes not follow guidelines <laughs> from the uh, district I, I, because she I, felt I, like I, she I needed to do I've more. certainly broken my own share of rules. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you know, <laughs> but two things I learned from her was that it's always I and not we, oh, excuse me, it's always, I said that completely wrong, it's always we <laughs> and not I. And then also to never expect your staff or people that you work with to do anything that you would not ever do. And so if that meant taking out the trash during lunchtime, put your high heels on, that's what you do. And I learned very quickly how to move that rolling trash can with my high heels on, grab that bag out, you know, and, and show them I'm working with you. I'm not working against you. I'm not working above you. Yes, I do need to have to make decisions as a leader, but I'm never going to expect for you to do anything that I'm not going to do and always will have your back. So thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, but I, I, I agree uh, completely. And there have been lots of occasions uh, over the years where uh, I thought to myself, would I ask my staff to, uh, to do X, Y, and Z? Uh, and a couple of good examples of, uh, of this were um, uh, during uh, Hurricane uh, Katrina, and uh, Hurricane uh, uh, Maria in uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, I remember in both of those cases, uh, we were asked to, uh, you know, while uh, those uh, uh, jurisdictions were shut down and blown apart and uh, uh, underwater, uh, we were asked to go in and uh, uh, take a look at what was left uh, in both of those uh, cases. And this was a matter of uh, hours and days after those disasters happened. And I remember um, uh, thinking to myself, uh, would you ask any of your staff to go in there uh, under uh, what is fairly dangerous uh, uh, conditions? And uh, said, no, um, this is one that I will do personally. Um, and because uh, I, I don't want to ask anybody uh, to be uh, putting themselves in that kind of uh, jeopardy if uh, uh, I won't do it myself. Um, so I also right. found myself in very interesting circumstances. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I bet. In those cases. Well, th this is this is my this is my last question, um, and it's it's a, a challenging one, and that is, uh, what book? Uh, do you most recommend or gift to other people? Oh, this was a challenging one, Scott. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> I think you stuffed them. <laughs> yeah, I my 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 favorite book and one that I'm more uh, most likely to give is um, and um, is a book by uh, Robert Penn Warren. Um, on um, uh, the former governor of, a um, uh, very corrupt governor of uh, Louisiana, uh, the, the so-called Kingfish. Uh, right. And uh, it, uh, it, it's a story of corrupt politics 
um, and what people, how people allow themselves to become corrupted by power. Um, and uh, it has always served as a huge lesson to me about um, uh, kind of staying true uh, to myself um, and not letting sometimes the trappings uh, of the position or the place where I work ever uh, become um, uh, the occasion uh, by which um, I take myself uh, or the people around me too seriously. Um, and uh, it, it's, um, uh, I, I, I love the, uh, the book because it, it's a study of power and corruption that um, uh, I think anybody uh, in public life um, ought to, uh, uh, to read and take as a warning sign. Uh, it's not a surprise that the book you chose is a book that deals with uh, the need for humility after listening yes, to you right. so far. I mean, that that has come through in so many ways, both overtly and, uh, and otherwise. So thank you for that recommendation. Okay, so uh, my last big question is, um, yeah. so all the amazing work that you have done over the past four decades um, has had an incredible impact on uh, the urban educational system as we know it today, and, and I have no doubt that it will continue. For someone considering such a tremendous educational leadership role, um, such as the one that you are in, what are a couple of suggestions that you might have for them? Well, this is um, uh, this is uh, interesting because in some ways I'm right in the middle of. Uh, trying to tell my successor um, about lessons that I have uh, learned. Not that anybody can ever hear somebody else's lessons and fully incorporate them, because uh, you really can't. You've got to almost learn these things uh, yourself and assimilate them in your own personal way and your own uh, uh, personal style. Uh, but um, I, uh, I have tried to um, uh, indicate to, uh, uh, to him, um, and he's going to be taking over uh, my position um, uh, on July 1st, uh, that um, let the work um, and its mission guide you um, and not be guided by uh, your own personal needs, um, uh, but define uh, the work, define the direction, uh, and let it take you there. Uh, and uh, don't uh, one, one, don't be afraid, uh, because there's lots of occasions where um, you will think to yourself, um, this, this takes more courage than I can possibly muster. Um, and you've got to move past um, your own personal fears and doubts um, and uh, stay true to the work. Uh, but uh, that means defining the work and the direction um, before you go. And that gives you the courage uh, to, uh, uh, to move forward uh, when things are tough. That is an excellent answer. Thank you so much. That's terrific. 
Okay. So we're moving on to a very fun portion, very quick. Okay. Well, all of, all of this has been fun. <laughs> good, good. Well, this will kind of give us, give us and, and our, our viewers and listeners um, a different perspective of you. You get to see a different side of you, hear a different side of you. So this is what we call a hot seat. And so I'm going to randomly give you seven or questions, this or that type of questions. And it's going to be a minute, uh, a minute long. My colleague here, Scott, is going to time us and no need for you to think extra long, super easy, fun questions. Okay. Okay. All right. Scott, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Beach or cabin? Beach or cabbage? Cabin. Sorry. Oh, beach or cabin. Cabin. Um, yes. Uh, cabin. I guess you could have cabbage if you wanted to. Yeah, I, 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 I thought you said beets or cabbage. <laughs> it's a veggies. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to, what kind Zoom. of question is that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Zoom or in person? Oh, absolutely in person. Fancy restaurant or drive through? Fancy restaurant. Okay. Present or be interviewed? Uh, be interviewed. Flip-flops, bare feet, or dress shoes? Oh, um, I, I'm afraid dress shoes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was thinking that, but hey. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, I don't even own a set of, uh, of flip-flops. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Hanging out or alone time? Alone time. Leader or on the team? On the team. Perfect. That is it. Thank you so much, Dr. Cassidy, for joining us today. This was um, such an incredible interview, and, and um, you've just done a tremendous amount of amazing work, and we certainly appreciate all that you have done and will continue to do on behalf of students across the nation or urban schools um, across the nation and um, look forward to continuing to see everything that you're going to do here in the near future. Mr. Um, Scott here, any final words? Yeah, same, I'm just, um, I'm kind of uh, uh, overwhelmed with the, the lessons um, that, that came out in your answers and am thinking of the different ways in which um, those could be shared in bits and pieces and clips. I mean, I want to, I want to take so many pieces of that and share it with, with our students at the university, our aspiring leaders mm -hmm. um, and with, with folks around. So I'm excited for, for folks to be able to hear, hear your thoughts. And um, uh, it's been a, it's been a privilege to um, be able to ask you some questions and, and uh, listen to you share um, your, your wonderful experience in history. Well, thank you. And very learning much. lessons for us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, thanks, uh, Shabana. Thanks, uh, Scott. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, if it was in any way uh, uh, useful uh, to people, that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.